Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earl. Okay, so we're here today with Karen Young. She is a hugely popular blogger. Her website is called HeySigmund.com, and she writes about parenting and families. She's a psychologist, and for a long time, she had a practice where she worked with clients. Really, really excited to pick her brain today about you know how you can recognize when your kids are going through uh, something that is making them anxious, how you can explain what's going on with them, and how you can kind of give them some tools to hopefully get through it and make it better. And um, oh, she's got a great book. It's called Hey Warrior. So uh, here we are. Really excited to talk to Karen. Well, it's nice to speak to you. I love your website. Well, thank you. Likewise. Uh, You're doing great stuff. So, okay. So I feel like a fun place to start is uh, your website, which is how I found you. And I was just curious, like, how it came about. I mean, it looks like something that you've been doing for a while. Uh, What were you doing before that? What inspired you to, hey, I'm going to start a blog? And how did it kind of grow to be such a, a big thing? So I think it's just a collision of, you know, beautiful coincidences as these things often are. But I I was a psychologist and I did that um, for a long time. And then I left for a few years to have to stay at home with my children. And then when I was ready to go back, I wasn't sure what I wanted that to look like. So I was at a bit of a loss and a little bit... I was, I was lost for maybe eight to ten months just wondering what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that was actually on a driving holiday with my husband and he actually said, why don't you, go, why don't you do something with the internet? And I said to him, psychology on the internet, that's so ridiculous. You just know nothing about this. <laughs> and so we kept talking and as we kept talking, I thought, you know what, I think I'm just going to start because I didn't know what else to do. I just want to put the information out there. I just want people to know what we know as psychologists and therapists and educators. I just want them to know because if you look at, you know, children or teens, which is what we're talking about today, the parents are the most powerful people in their lives. So when they have this information, they do really great things and that's what I'm seeing. So it's it's important because I know, you know, I get emails from teens as well who about things like anxiety and they think they're the only ones and I go look at all the comments on this page you're not you're so uh, not you know you you're kind of becoming more in the majority than you think I still write about general things I still write about kind of everything but what I've discovered is anxiety is for my website anyway there's just such a need for information and I think the thing about anxiety is we all experience it on some level we all do some more than other people and for some people it intrudes more than others and at different times in their lives 
my daughter was moving from junior school to middle school across the road same school she loved school she loved her friends and but she was getting headaches and tummy aches and not sleeping well and I thought oh it actually took me a couple of weeks to kind of go I know what's going on there and so we had a talk about what anxiety is and and what it does and and why she feels this way because I think the most confusing thing about anxiety is why does my tummy feel sick if there's nothing to worry about why do I worry if there's if everything's okay why do I feel panicky why are my muscles wobbly why is this happening and it's scary and you can get anxiety about the anxiety Um, and it was on the way to soccer she said mum I've got that feeling again and I said does it feel like that feeling you get when you miss a stare and she said that's exactly what it feels like she actually said it's that feeling you get when you're falling asleep and you jump awake And I said, you've got this thing called anxiety and everybody gets it and some people get it more than others. And we had this, it was honestly a 15 minute conversation and it was about what the symptoms are for. Because every symptom with anxiety has a really good job to do. Anxiety, like everything with us humans, everything happens for a reason, but sometimes it happens too much or too unnecessarily and that's what was happening so I explained it and when you get a tummy out this is what happens and when you feel like you're going to be sick this is why and the butterflies are here and I said and this is what you have to do to um, feel better because once I think people understand what's happening the response makes more sense so I think it doesn't work as well to say to people, well, you need to exercise and that'll help your your um, anxiety or your depression without explaining how that works. Mm. Um, and it wouldn't work for me either. If someone said, well, you've got to exercise to help your anxiety and depression, I'd go, well, don't get it. I do. <laughs> but, you know, you, you need that, that middle ground and, and then it all makes sense. Um, and then about two weeks later, she said, mum, that that chat we had really helped I haven't had that thing and you know she's still got it sometimes so then I wrote about it and basically the post was that explaining what happens in the brain during anxiety and what happens in our body and why breathing works why exercise works so it's it's you know that middle um, scaffold I suppose I love what you're saying and I feel like too often as parents we try to figure out what's the solution and this idea that part of the the solution might be to not just jump straight to looking for solutions, but to kind of Absolutely. give give them the information about what's going on and why. And yeah. uh, I, I keep thinking about Robert Sapolsky when you're saying this. Uh, he's a Stanford neuroscientist and he does a lot of stuff about stress. And he's big on this idea that we have this stress system that evolved for, you know, running away from a tiger um, and, you know, fight or flight, life and death situations. And and it works really well for that. But that the problem, of course, is now here we find ourselves in this new type of society where, you know, someone posting something on social media can trigger it or uh, test at school today. And so we're like overly triggering this kind of stress system and... You talked about how the like talking through the specific symptoms with your daughter mm-hmm. was that so so did you then ask her about the symptoms that she was feeling and then explain kind of specifically each thing that she talked about and how that would have been adaptive yeah. in evolutionary history? Can you walk me through that a little bit or I mean cuz yeah. if you're a parent and you don't know psychology like that might be a little harder like how would you recommend kind of approaching a conversation like that? Okay, so um, 
the thing that kids need to understand first is exactly what you just said. Anxiety is actually there to help us. It's like an early warning signal that there might be trouble that we need to get ourselves into position to deal with. Now, the thing with that is it's evolved and it's evolutionary as, as everything in our human system is. It started to get us away from physical threats because they were the only threats that faced us way back then. Um, the problem now is the threats are generally psychological. So when there is a physical threat, if there's a basketball coming at our head, anxiety is great because what it does is it surges us with a cocktail of, of chemicals, which are all good and all normal and all healthy, to get us physiologically ready yeah. for action. So once kids understand that, it starts to make sense. Now, if it's anxiety around an exam or, or kids at school or, but what if something happens to you while I'm away from you, which is separation anxiety, there's no physical response needed there. Now, what happens then is the chemicals build up and that's when the symptoms of anxiety happen because the idea was meant to be that these chemicals, when we flee or fight, they get burnt off through activity. Right. So when our brain surges us with these neurochemicals, our heart beats faster, that's the first thing that happens and that's to get them around our body effectively. We start to take short, shallow breaths instead of normal steady breathing and that's because we want to conserve oxygen and energy in case we have to fight or flight um, any process that isn't absolutely essential in the moment shuts down not completely but it just it um, it softens because our body is going you're going to need everything you need to fight or flee one of those processes is digestion now that's why you can get a dry mouth that's why you can get um, butterflies in the tummy or feel sick also, the short, sharp breathing can make us sick as well. Um, the fuel gets sent to our arms so they can fight and our legs so they can flee, which is why we get tense or wobbly and people will feel them. For me, it's wobbly when I'm anxious. Huh. Um, and that's just a buildup of the neurochemical because when you're standing there, you're not burning them. You're not burning them, fighting or fleeing. Our body starts to cool itself in case we fight or flee so it doesn't overheat and the way the body cools itself is by sweating so that's why it, you can be in an exam in an air-conditioned room and sweating right. sweating like a trojan that's just the body going well you're going to actually start gearing up for some action so we better make sure you don't overheat mm. um what happens those physical symptoms can feel so scary and those physical symptoms in themselves can make you anxious. So that feeds into the, there must be something bad about to happen, which then feeds back into the symptoms. So it's a bit of a loop. Uh. So what we have to explain to kids is these physical symptoms aren't because something's about to happen. Your brain thinks something's about to happen. And I wrote a book for kids and it's called Hey Warrior because that part of your brain, the amygdala, which starts the anxiety response is like a fierce warrior there to protect you. It's a good thing. It's there to look after. So anxiety is actually there to look after us, even though it feels awful. So what you want to do is be the boss of your brain and not let your your brain decide when there's threat because that's all it's doing. It's going, whoa, that might hurt you. That might hurt you. We better get you ready. 
and it's kind of running a mark, which is absolutely fine. And it's a strong, healthy brain. There's nothing wrong with it, but you've got to be the boss of it. And so that's where things like um, mindfulness and exercise and understanding. So once kids understand what anxiety is and what those physical symptoms are and switch them off because the very first thing that happens when you're anxious is your breathing changes and that kind of starts you know contributes to this cascade of this physiological response when you get your breathings under control that starts to neutralize those neurochemicals it initiates the relaxation response which we know starts our brain waves into a more consistent a pattern which is more consistent with relaxation it neutralizes the neurochemicals we start to feel okay it's really hard to remember slow steady breathing in the midst of anxiety because your brain's really busy protecting it's like don't tell me don't i don't need to <laughs> and so so they need to practice it out of anxiety and if you tell someone who's in the middle of anxiety to breathe strong steady breaths they probably won't they won't be able to and it might even make it worse because you're asking them to do something they can't do and they don't understand why they have to so the idea for teens and for kids for all of us is to practice strong steady breathing so it becomes an automatic response for the brain so a couple of minutes a day because the brain learns through experience the more you do something the more those neural connections fire up and and make that response easier to access or the other thing that happens actually um, during anxiety which is i think this is really important for teens is when you're anxious the prefrontal cortex also gets a little bit sent offline so the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that is the thinking part of the brain and it's there to analyze and think of consequences and it's kind of the logical reasoning it's the more evolved part of the brain the amygdala at the back is very instinctive and very primitive so in an exam I mean I hear teens a lot go but I knew it all and I just freaked out and I couldn't think of the answers that's because when you're anxious your thinking brains offline it's not there for you so breathing brings it back it brings back because when that thinking brains back online and when that connection with the back of the brain is strong which is what mindfulness does the prefrontal cortex can actually calm the amygdala now even that is really adaptive because if there's if there's a threat and if it's immediate if there's immediate danger to your life your amygdala doesn't want you to think too hard about whether or not it's a threat and if there's a if there's a wild dog coming at you you don't want to wonder what breed it is and is it friendly and is it cute and does it have an, an owner you don't want it's like prefrontal cortex just get out, get out of there because yeah. i've just i just need to act and so that's why it sends it offline uh-huh. now in an exam you need your thinking brain or in you know in situations so breathing brings it back so it's all adaptive it's all really healthy and adaptive but the problem is when it fires up when when there is no threat it can really get in our way so you mentioned a few things uh, in there a couple times. Uh, this idea of being the boss of your brain, I love that. Mm. How do you do that? How do you teach mm. your kids how to do that? The other thing you talked about was mindfulness you mentioned a few times. Yeah. And then the third was breathing that you said a number of times. And I wonder if there's a specific like type of breathing or you just teach them to yeah. like slow it, slow it down and deepen it or uh, or what you recommend for that. Okay, so breathing can help you be the boss of the brain because it brings your thinking part online and you can be more in control of your amygdala. So you can be more in control of, no, no, we don't need to fire up now. We're safe and I've got this. So you can actually 
stand down amygdala where I <laughs> we don't need to fight or flee. It's a bit like that. But the breathing is is it's really just in for three, hold for one, out for three. It's that simple. It's just strong and steady. So what it is, instead of getting into that short, sharp yeah. breathing, which changes the balance of um, oxygen and carbon dioxide and that you know contributes to all the physiological things that happen with anxiety so what we need to do is get that balance back and it's just that steady strong breathing now there's a few ways um what i did with my daughter and she's 15 now so she does it herself now but if you can imagine a sideways figure eight and what i would do was at bedtime i would just trace on her arm or her back or wherever she wanted me to and you'd go so that would be for three and then hold it in the middle for one and then out for three so she gets into the rhythm because touch is grounding if they want to be touched not all kids want to be touched when they're feeling anxious but for her and then what she she can do so for herself when she's anxious she's got that grounding sensation of the sensation of the figure eight so it's basically so she can get that rhythm right. And the other one is to imagine um, a cup of hot cocoa is another one I tell kids and teens to imagine sniffing in because you want in through your nose, out through your mouth, sniffing in for three and imagine the smell and then hold it for one and then blow it cool for three. <laughs> it's really, it's just basic breathing and it's what we were born to do. But sometimes when our brain gets in the way, it doesn't that. Now, once that happens and those those chemicals start to be neutralized the prefrontal cortex comes back online we're back in control of our brain it doesn't mean you won't feel worried and it's not magic it doesn't make everything right. go away but it means that you can be brave so you can you can actually look at things mm. as they are and go okay i'm going into an exam i'm a bit worried and i am a bit anxious but i'll be okay and i can do this we're here with Karen Young, and we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. What happened is I used to have a rule with my kids that when we're in the car, they could say anything. They could use any words. They could say anything. They could tell me <laughs> anything. This was from pickup to the driveway. They could tell me anything in whatever tone they wanted. By the time I drove into the driveway, the conversation would be finished. I got gold that way. But I think it's really important not to make our anxiety their anxiety. So we have to be really okay with it all. The worst thing we can say is, oh, you'll be all right, don't be silly. Because we don't know what the next thing they need us for will be. It might be, I went to this party and someone tried to give me drugs and I said no. Yeah. If we start brushing them off with the things that don't feel big at yeah. the time, and maybe they are just anxious because they haven't. Maybe maybe it is from lack of sleep. Maybe it is because they're worried about a presentation. Maybe it is no big deal. And we don't want to make it a big deal. What we need to, to do is say, I hear you. I hear that for you right now. This is worrying. Keep talking to me about it because I reckon we can work this out. I, I reckon we can get through this and, and figure out what's happening for you. I was in the middle of something hard and I was about to go down and do dinner and then my son came in and said, um, I'm feeling really blur. Mm. And I said, oh, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. I've just got to go down and do dinner. And I 
dismissed it. And then later on, he got, he was really wired and he got really cranky. And I said, what is wrong with you? And he said, you know what? I tried to, I tried to tell you and you were just, and you didn't listen. Mm. And I said, what did you try to tell me? And he said, that job I went for, he, he's studying and he went for a part-time job and he didn't get it. And, and I was like, well, well, that's all right. And I had to stop. And then another conversation, I said, you know what? I actually dealt with that really badly. I get how important that was for you and I'm really sorry. And I want you to know you did everything right in trying to talk to me. And I wish I stopped to listen to you mm. and I got it wrong. And I want you to talk to me now. So come and sit and talk to me. So they need to see that we're not perfect because then it makes it okay for them not to be perfect. And so if the response is, um, I really love that you told me that. I don't think that would have been easy. I think it was really brave. And, you know, they might not necessarily go, oh, that's really great because I want to tell you the rest of the story. They'll probably go, well, you said we're in the driveway. You said we don't have to talk about it anymore. But they will, you know. And then, and then, you know, at bedtime is another lovely time to talk to them or whenever you go, I'm not bringing it up. I'm just saying, I really love that you told me what you told me today. I really love the person that makes you and, and what that means for our relationship. I just want you to know, if you want to talk to me more about it, you can. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.